Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. You know, it's a true fact that pretty much any day of the year has religious significance to somebody. And today is just such a day. And we're going to have a little fun with that in this two-part message, which continues next week. It's been a pretty rough couple of weeks in this country. And I don't think God would mind a bit if we have a little fun. Our scripture is from the book of John, chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. And why is this place called Luther's Cafe? asked interim Pastor Molly, who was tentatively sipping the strongest coffee she had ever had in her life. Oh, that goes back to elementary school, said Father Brickwell with a snort. The other schools in this parish had both a cafeteria and an auditorium, but our little old Doodlebug School just had one big room we called the cafetorium. For some reason, Luther liked the sound of that and named his coffee shop after it. Of course, everybody in Doodlebug calls it Luther's Sanatorium because we all feel crazy after we've been drinking his coffee. <laughs> Molly smiled thinking of all the secret handshakes she had to learn to be one of the family. Molly was enjoying her new friendship with the priest of the Prince of Peace Episcopal Church. Although she could not bring herself to call him by his nickname, Bunchy Bridges, and her crypto supervisor, Reverend Naughty Problem, did not approve one tiny bit. Suddenly, Father Brickwell jumped up and cried with alarm. Mercy, I had best be going. I haven't even started working on my sermon for Christ the King Sunday. And it will be here before we know it. I must make sure my vestments are in order, too. Molly's little face was eloquently puzzled. Oh, no, my dear, don't tell me you are one of those who cynically dismisses the Feast of Christ the King as mere posturing in the wake of the Lateran Treaty. Molly, 
who was utterly lost, mumbled softly, Why, no, I would never posture in the wake of the latter entreaty. Good, good, sighed Father Brickwell, who was mightily relieved. You know, it is one of our newer feast days, being only 90 years old, and there are some who say that post Pope Pius XI declared it in a fit peak brought on by the loss of the papal states. But in the Anglican tradition, it is really just an embellishment on Stir Up Sunday, which has been celebrated in the British Isles since the time of the very first Book of Common Prayer in 1549. You see, the collect for that day which is the Sunday before Advent, begins. Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people, which would remind everybody to go home and make their Christmas pudding. It sounds like your Christ the King's Sunday sermon is coming on right now, said Molly encouragingly. You're right, my dear. It is, said Father Brickwell excitedly, throwing some money on the table and bounding towards the door. And good luck with yours, too. Molly suddenly felt very small. She had no idea how to make a Christmas pudding. She had no vestments. Were they like investments? and was not even sure what they might be. And if the papal states were involved, it was a bleaker day still, because geography had always been her worst subject. Only the buzz of Luther's fiendish brew kept her from wilting like a corsage after the dance. Just at that moment, her new friend, Petit Potit, who preferred to be called Augusta, slid into the booth across from Molly, where Father Brickwell had just been sitting, and took her by the hand. Now, honey, this is no time to pout, she said sternly. Just because you don't know how Episcopalians do church does not mean you are unprepared altogether. But this is one of the most important feasts of the church year, properly known as the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, and it is nothing to trifle with. Screwing up her courage, Molly asked, What is the church year? It took all of Petit Potit's self-control not to spew coffee all over the table. When she was done choking, she said, Let's start at an easy place, honey, like Christmas. I expect you've heard of that. <laughs> now, I don't know what y'all have in that little parish where you come from, but the rest of the Christian world has a liturgical calendar that we have been following since Mary passed the peace. So, before Christmas, there is Advent, which I believe even heathens know about, and then after Christmas is Epiphany, and then ordinary time, 
And then Septima Jesma, which is when all occasions act up, and we have Mardi Gras right up through Fat Tuesday, and on that day, we eat us some pancakes. Well, some people call it Shrove Tuesday, but mostly just the Yankees. Then, on Ash Wednesday, we repent of all the craziest things we just did and get ashes on our foreheads. And then everybody sobers up and we have Lent. <laughs> Molly, who was frantically taking notes, wrote down, sober up and have Lent. Then at the tail end of that, said Petite Petite, we have Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday, followed close by Monday Thursday when we wash feet, and then Good Friday when we strip the altar and cry. Then we have Easter, which is another one I expect you've heard talk about. Then we have Ascension and then Pentecost, which is when we talk about the tongues of flame and all the Pentecostals say, I told you so. <laughs> Toward the end of Pentecost, we have All Saints Day, which is when we remember our families in heaven and visit their graves, no matter how badly they behaved themselves on earth. And then Molly, on the very last day, Sunday of Pentecost is Christ the King Sunday. And that brings us right around. Petite Petite was all out of breath, but pleased that she had landed. But you must be on your toes because the seasons all have colors. And altar cloths and vestments must all match and be just so. So Father Brickwell will have on his black cassock, which, by the way, has 39 buttons for the 39 articles of religion in the Anglican Church, in his white alb, in his petrol cross, but he will also wear a stole and a cincture, and possibly a chasuble of the color of the season as well. So, a priest can't just get up in the morning and put on a cute outfit like you or I might do. He has to know whether it's time to wear white or red or purple or green that Sunday. Although, I know for a fact that Bunchy's wife is the brains of that operation. Don't forget to tell her about the mandible and the chastisement. And the high popolorum, said old Miss Brown, leaning over the back of the other side of the booth. We don't want this little girl to go out there and preach in her apron. Petite Poteet's face darkened, and Molly's heart began to race. It was a terrible thing to make fun of somebody's religion, especially over your shoulder and in a public place. All at once, Luther appeared beside the scene of the incipient commotion, and leaning in to Ole Miss Brown, he said, Ole Miss, 
You may not goad your sister in my establishment because I know for a fact that she could knock down anybody here, including you. And I cannot referee a brawl while I am making gumbo. To Petit Potit, he said, Augusta, any fool knows that it's too early in the morning for catechism class, and anyway, I am not in love with the way you two are hogging this booth in the middle of my breakfast rush. Molly noticed how skillfully he had managed to turn each of the sisters' anger towards himself and then to vanish as deftly as he had appeared. You would think that Luther would be more agreeable to me seeing as how I owned this building, said Petit Potit indignantly. You ought to nail 95 leases to the door, said Miss Ida, who everybody had forgotten was there. So, on Christ the King Sunday, we remember that nationalism and secularism are heathenisms and that Jesus alone is our sovereign, finished Petit Potit with a flourish. Molly's note spilled over onto the back of her napkin and she wrote, Hypopolorum? Question mark? Jesus alone? Exclamation point. But what scripture should I preach? asked Molly in a quavering voice. Why, you must look that up in the lectionary, of course. Maybe you could find some useful pericopes. But remember, we are in year C, she said with authority and flew out the door. Molly was one of the few people in town who did not smirk over Augusta's speech impediment, which had greatly endeared her to this fearful personage. But this last directive felt like a low blow. Molly was quite sure there was no lectionary or any pericopes in her cupboards and had no idea where to find them. She sat down on the, on the bench outside Luther Sanatorium and began to cry. Just then, along came Granger Antrim, the pharmacist, and planted himself beside her in a kindly way. There now, Missy, said Granger in his deep voice. Luther's coffee has this effect on some people, and you're not the first one to bust out crying on this bench. But please do tell me what's wrong. I'm completely unprepared for Christ the King Sunday, said Molly drying her eyes with the napkin in her hand and then realizing she had just ruined all her notes. Well, as it happens, so am I, said Granger with a twinkle in his voice. But if you come with me, I will show you something that will make you feel a whole lot better. He led her across the street and down a lane to a small wooden church that had somehow escaped her notice. It had no steeple, and the windows were placed high above the ground. 
A sign in the yard said, The Society of Friends. Molly stepped inside and saw rows and rows of hard-looking benches arranged in a square. What is this place? she asked. It is a meeting house that belongs to my Quaker church, he said. Molly surveyed the room, which was bare of all ornamentation. And what do you do in this room? she asked. This is where we have our meeting for worship, said Granger. Molly's heart was full of questions. But where's the altar, she asked. We have no altar because we have no sacraments, said Granger. But where's the pulpit, she asked. We have no pulpit because we have no pastor. If someone is led to speak from the silence, they just stand up and give their testimony from wherever they happen to be. The starkness of the meeting house challenged Molly's notion that her little non-denominational church was not fancy enough to please God. So, do y'all have a lectionary or a liturgical calendar or a high popularum? she asked. Granger smiled, but he did not laugh at her. I think somebody's been pulling your leg. But no, we have none of those things. So how do you celebrate Christ the King Sunday, she asked. Every Sunday is Christ the King Sunday here, said Granger. So we don't do anything different at all. Molly felt unmoored from her understanding of what church should be. Seeing the lost look in her eyes, Granger said softly, Tell me what y'all do at the community church. Well, we sing hymns, and we have a sermon, and we pass the plate, and ask for prayer, and all that sort of thing, said Molly, brightening. But it's really just homemade church, Mr. Antrim. We don't have a prayer book or a diocese to tell us how it should be done. Hearing this, Granger put two and two together, remembering he had seen Molly in the company of Bunchy Bridges that very morning. Miss Molly, he said gently, the worship at Prince of Peace Episcopal Church is exquisitely beautiful. I find it rich and deep and full of meaning. And I myself have encountered the Holy Spirit there many times. You might say that the Church of England is the mother church of the Quakers because we sprang from its bosom back in the day. Of course, they did persecute us for a few centuries. (laughs) But that's all water under the bridge. But this church is quite the opposite of Prince of Peace in every way. And yet, the Holy Spirit still finds us here, rain or shine, every Sunday. But what is the right way to do church? Asked Molly, thinking of how she herself wove elements of Catholicism into her private life of prayer, and yet was the pastor of a Protestant congregation. 
Didn't your mama ever tell you to be yourself? Asked Granger with a charming smile. And who says there is a right way to do church? Isn't God present whenever two or three are gathered together? Molly sighed. Thank you for bringing me here, Mr. Antrim. But I still am not sure what the Doodlebug Community Church should do on Christ the King Sunday. Well, if you want a Quaker's answer, said Granger, I would say that you should ask Christ the King. Why do human beings, why do Christians worship God in so many different ways? What is the right way to do church? How do we know that God is pleased by what we do in worship? 